Hey, what's up, my people? Hope you're all doing well. I must say, it feels good to be back here at Mountain Air Studios in Draper, and also even better to be back with the main man himself, the Podfather, Mr. Ryan Hale. He's not only the biggest producer in Utah, but also the interim media manager in the absence of our beloved Texan, Skylar Warwick. And if you didn't know, or you're not already following, the social media handle is kickback underscore Nadum, and you can find us on Instagram and on Twitter. And also, let it be known, there's been a big update to the kickback playlist. So if you haven't already checked that out, links to it can be found in the show notes. But anyway, it's time to introduce today's guest. This man right here is bigger than Christmas, but comes with a magical left foot. He's a friend of mine, a friend of the show, and is another guest with a unique story to tell. Hope you enjoy my conversation with Mr. East London himself, Jay Emmanuel Thomas. Oh my God. It's the chief. <laughs> What's happening, big fella? I'm saying, bro, you good? Yeah, very good, man. Sorry I'm late. Sorry I'm late. You have to excuse nah, me. Nah, don't worry about that, man. I ain't doing nothing. That's good to see you, man. It's good to see you. How you been, man? Yeah. All right, man. Come see, come sir, as the French would say. I'm all right. I'm all right. How about yeah. you? Nah, it's all right, man. Obviously, back back up and back playing now. So I'm in Scotland, so, so I can't complain at the moment. So it's all good. You can't complain? What do you mean? Do you back playing? Yeah, like, you just happy? Yeah, I yeah, no, literally, bro. It's been, uh, it's been the last month. It's been a month now. Okay. It's been like, going back in for that month. Like the first week, it was just like, oh, my body was like, hey, what's going on? There's all this stuff going on. People are kicking you. But obviously, back playing games and stuff. Yeah, man, it's good. Are you, have you got the TV on? Is it, bro, yeah, bro, bro, have some manners. We're trying to talk here. Done, the football's finished. Just mute it. Like we're having a conversation. Come on, man. You know, you're the man. first. You're the first guest. We're like 50, 60 deeper, and you're the first guest to be watching TV while doing an interview. You're different. I wasn't bro. watching it. This yes, you were. I've just looked. This video. I'm watching you watching TV. It's on the, the bro, top. This is Gogglebox. This was Gogglebox for me right now. <laughs> 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 right. So, firstly. I've asked how you are. I've kind of asked how Scotland is, but, you know, it's during the pandemic, so it's not true, true Scotland or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, West Lothian, it's a long way from East London. So, like, how, how are you making those adjustments? Well, to be fair, um, I've been home once since I, since I got here. Uh-huh. Like, obviously, to get, like, another suitcase. So, it's only, I live 15 minutes from the airport, and oh. it's an hour flight home. Okay. So it's not too bad. Obviously, before here, prior to this, obviously, I was in Asia. So it's a lot closer to home. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, but no, it's good. Obviously, the, what everyone was telling me it was going to be freezing cold, but the winter hasn't hit yet. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I know it's coming, but I'm trying to enjoy what we have <laughs> okay. for now. I respect it. I respect it. So firstly, yeah. how did that move come about? Oh, so basically, I just got a phone call from a guy I know in London. Uh, you know, you know, Dan, remember Danny Rowe? Yeah. Yeah, his older brother, Scott, works as like an agent. Uh, and obviously, I've met them numerous times before. So he contacted me and was just speaking to me about there was an opportunity and the club in Scotland wanted you to come down because they had signed Anthony Stokes mm-hmm. previously. And push came to shove and it kind of didn't work out for him after like a three-week period. So then he left. So they was like, oh, would you mind coming down so we can have just like a... I look to see like what kind of 
position you're in because obviously you haven't played for or you haven't played or trained for a little while. Mm-hmm. But I'd worked hard over like the summer period during the isolation, quarantine, whatever they want to call it. So I thought, you know what, I'm not really worried about that. So I thought, let me go in there and, and take my chances. And literally after about four days, they was like, yeah, we want to get the deal done and and get to work. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to say no to playing in the Scottish Premier League for the time being. So I was like, yeah, let's get it done. Yeah, for sure. And interestingly, I never thought if Anthony Stokes wasn't going to work out somewhere, I never thought they'd call you because you two are completely different players. Like... Very, very different. Completely different. But I think there was a lot of other stuff, not just the football base that went on on his behalf. Yeah, yeah, okay. okay. So, like, yeah, I think there's a couple of times he might not have turned up for training. Uh, and then right. He got caught on Facebook. There's pictures on Facebook. You can even find it of him drunk on Saturday. That's <laughs> in Fury. Okay. So it was, like, some random stuff that, that I was just like... But obviously, for them to... To request me, I was thinking Anthony Stokes. Me, I was like, nah, well, you know, they, <laughs> we'll figure they, out. They want what they're looking for. If I'm what they're looking for, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to turn it down. No, nah, that's all good anyway. Because I'm glad you're back. Because it's good to see you back there on the field. Yeah. So yeah. for today, you're you're you were a bit nervous yesterday asking what the content was, but it's nothing to worry about because we're going to be talking yeah. about you, talking about your career, and how you got to this point. Certain parts will be like me asking you questions. That I've like I've always wanted to ask you, you know what I mean? Like to get yeah. inside your mind and to see the type of things that motivate you and so on. And it's gonna it's gonna be fun. Like just remember, people I think we're very privileged because overall people don't get to hear our stories told by yeah. ourselves, you know? People uh-huh. talk about us from the outside, they'll talk about how we played on Saturday, talk about how we're gonna play the the next Saturday, but the details themselves. I think anytime we get to speak about them ourselves, you know, it's it's a, it's a good thing. So this is gonna be a good show, man. So you ready? Yeah, yeah, always. All right. So, East London boy, how did you actually end up signing for Arsenal? How old were you? Uh, I was seven. Seven? Yeah. Is that even legal? How can you say, like, my, my daughter's <laughs> six. Like, I'm so confused. One, one year later than that. Wow. <laughs> literally, it's like, um, obviously, I signed for, like, I, basically, I used to just play football in the park around the corner from, like, my parents. Mm-hmm. But I used to like come home, but it's like all bigger kids. I used to come home, cuts and bruises and whatnot, whatnot. And my dad was just like, all right, cool. So obviously he really enjoys this football thing. So I need to get him like into like, just like one of the little local teams at like the newspaper or whatever. So I was like, all right, cool. So then we found the, the local, to be fair, my dad ended up from taking me there, ended up being basically like the founder when the team, ex- the club expanded. It went uh, like okay. a long way. Okay. So I, when, when we first got there, they said, phoned up, they said, come to training on, like, Tuesday. We went there. The guy was like, oh, we'd like him to wait an hour and participate in the B-team's training. And my dad was like, he doesn't need to go in no B-team's training. Just let him train. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. So I went there, trained, signed, and then I was there for about only about six months. And then we played a game, and just coincidentally, a scout was watching. And they approached my dad and was like, we'd like him to come down to to Highbury into the indoor facility to do like a trial kind of thing with like loads of other boys that they've come across. And then my dad didn't even tell me. He was just like, oh, next week we're going to go play football somewhere else. So I was just like, all right, cool. Went there. So obviously got to like the Highbury and I was like, well, why are we doing that Arsenal <laughs> statement? This is very confusing. <laughs> and obviously you just see loads of other kids, but you could already see from when you walked in, the standard was different to yeah. what I was playing with before. So went there, they literally trained, and then literally that evening they was like, yeah, we'd like to offer you like your first like year's contract at, 
at this, obviously at that tender age, I was, but at that age, to me, I didn't really digest that it was like Arsenal Football Club. I just yeah. assumed it was like a kind of one of them soccer school uh-huh. academy type things. And then, yeah, literally from there, I went from year to year, just progressing throughout all the way up to like the, obviously they took me out of school early. Mm-hmm. Obviously when I got to, at the end of year nine, no, well, the end of year nine, the start of year ten, they offered me an opportunity to come out of full, come out of education and go into full time training. Mm-hmm. So it was a decision that obviously I had to make, and I had to speak with my mom and my dad, and then obviously speak with my school as well because some schools didn't approve yeah. and stuff like that. Listen. So I was like, uh, I said to my dad, "Listen, like if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna have an opportunity to play ball, this is gonna be it. So I don't really want to miss it." Okay, so you've just <laughs> flown through about four of my topics there. So please settle down, okay? Settle down. I'm in control here. You might be telling your story, but I'm telling you how to say it. This is my, this is my story. I don't man. care. I don't care. I don't care. Okay. So throughout all those years you were playing then, before you went in full time, which are the, were there other players that people may know that were in your age group? Or were you the main guy? Uh, no. So I think from, well, from the age of seven, there was me, Henry Lansbury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy Cruz, who was at Arsenal for a long time, then he played in the Champions League and stuff. But then he recent, well, a few years ago, he had to retire due to injuries, okay. shin shin splints and stuff. Um, uh, Sanchez, what? Mm-hmm. Obviously, had played in and out of, like he went to like Leeds on loan, signed for Colchester, went to India, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that. That was the core. We all signed in that same first week. Right. We okay. And then, like, obviously, a couple of years either side of that, we had people join. So we had Craig Eastman join. Uh-huh. Um, and as we got a bit older, so you had the likes of Jack Wilshire, Emmanuel Frimpong. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, as we got older, other boys. Oh, and Luke Aylin. Luke Aylin was there from the beginning. Almost forgot Luke. So yeah. he's at least now. Yeah. Okay. And were you always the be- one of the best in your age group then? Or was any point where you were just one of the players? No, no. So I was. I'm not not trying to blow my own trouble, but I was always classed in the top three, if not, if not the best. I think it was more that playing multiple positions at a good level. Because obviously, many people don't know this. My career started as a centre half. So I played. <laughs> no, I, hey, 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 hey! Enough! Don't lie on my show. There's no way you're a centre. I ain't coming here to lie, bro. My, my. I listen. I'm gonna tell. This this is one piece of news that many people don't know. My Arsenal debut for Arsenal first team was at centre back. Nah, that's impossible. One hundred percent impossible. I bro, bro, I promise you, <laughs> by force, not by choice. <laughs> by force. I, 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 it wasn't my preferred position, um, but I played there from from the from when I signed for Arsenal when I was seven. Obviously, I played for my dad's team as a striker. When I got to Arsenal, I think they just kind of saw my size and I was, I was a lot, still a lot taller than everybody else. Uh-huh. And they just threw me at the back. <laughs> you know, it's, that's, that's so funny because I've got to gotta make a confession here to people who don't know. I was the exact opposite of you. So when I signed, they pushed me up front. So it was me and, uh, it was me and Ishmael Miller for probably five, six years, just pushing people around, slowing goals, 20, 30 yeah. season and two of us. That's, that's not a nice... 
strike force state. So imagine <laughs> a young age to play against. Like, you know, when you walk out, you're thinking, who's bad? You just see these two guys. You're like, I don't really want to play today. Yeah, we, we were big because I remember, like, the kit never fit. The shirts were too small. The shorts were too small. All that yeah, stuff. Been there, man. You know what I mean? But it's, it's wild because then now here I am as a defender and using an attacker. But, you know, <laughs> there, we, there we go. So what, I ain't going to lie. But, I, there's more chance. I can picture me playing at the back. I can't picture you playing up front. Right? Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, we've hey, seen hey, this hey, interesting. Hey, 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 hey. We played together for three years. And you saw me on a day-to-day basis, watch your mouth and start spreading lies. <laughs> I, 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 would, I can't uh, but, 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 but. It's not a lie. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> no, nah, you've disrespected me so much. I could, I could, I should call this now, but I'm going to carry on. I'm going to carry on. I'm going to carry on. So while you were in academy then, was the plan to always try and turn pro or, or were you doing other things at the same time? Because say for me, for example, I was doing athletics, I was at school, like football was just, it was fun, you know, more than being the end goal, if you know what I mean. But what was your, what was your take on it? Yes, obviously, because I went, because I obviously started at such a young age, when I was growing up, my, my favourite sport to play had always been basketball. Mm-hmm. Always. Even when we then went into like um, secondary school, obviously my school had like the gymnasium, we played basketball games and I played, I played for like, I played for London for a short period, like the, the youth London. I went to London youth games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it was like, that was, but it ended up switching around where basketball became the hobby, hobby and football became the main focus. Okay. Probably when I hit about, I'll say about 14 or 15 when I was getting told to go and train with the reserves or sit on the bench for a reserve game and stuff like that. So I think that's when it kind of kicked in that this is getting a bit more serious. So I didn't really have... I didn't really focus on any... Apart from stuff in school that you took part in, mm-hmm. I didn't really have anything apart from the football. Listen, you say you can play basketball, but I reckon you're more like a Dwight Howard from three. That's how I picture you playing basketball. I said, that's what you would think. No, that's... Yeah? <laughs> that's what you would think. <laughs> but trust me, I can tell people, I don't think there's a footballer that plays today that can step to me on a basketball what I will say, I will make an adjustment there and I'll say I don't think there's a footballer in England that can do that because over here in the USA, one big difference that I've found especially is that like playing football isn't like the same way we used to do it where you just play on the streets and play wherever. Like I drive around here, more people have basketball hoops in their gardens than they do have mini goals. So basketball is like a standard thing in all the schools and whatever. So there'll be a couple oh, yeah. guys over here who <laughs> might make you I look am, like Dwight Howard. I would never turn down the challenge because I know my hands are on smoke. Listen, and I'm keep, ready back. keep that energy, my friend. Keep that always, energy. Always, keep always, that always. energy. So when you were so you were with the reserves at 14, 15, so when did you actually start training with the first team? Uh, I think it was, my, I think my first, first training session with the first team, I was 16. My first session, yeah, I was 16. Oh, out of, the, out of the blue. Obviously, we used to train at the first team training ground Thursday and Friday. And then literally one day, I just they, well, Neil Banfield just walked into the dressing room and I was like, yeah, today you're on the other side. Mm-hmm. It was a bit like, oh, I don't even know what's on the other side. <laughs> 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 I was just like, yeah. And then, yeah, so that was the, the first. And obviously it was 
one of them sessions that I don't think you could ever forget, especially when you're going in, obviously. Obviously, I had met Arsene Wenger, but like I stood next to him and taken a photo, but I'd never been in his presence where you're getting told, do this, do that, and then him speaking to you and you having to actually have a conversation so you don't actually feel out of place. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? See, players make you feel welcome and stuff like that. So it was like, it was a good experience at a young age. And I think it obviously made me feel in myself that, okay, cool, I've got opportunity here to actually be uh, uh, professional. Who were the main players in the team at that point? <laughs> so we had, there was the likes of, there was still Robin Van Persie, Obviously, Seth Fabregas was, he was still young at that, that period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry Henry was literally just on the verge of leaving, but yeah. obviously he was still there, but obviously he was the icon of yeah. Arsenal at that moment. So you had uh, Emmanuel Adibayors, uh, you had the Thomas Vermaelens, Colo Torres, Emmanuel Abue. Mm, it's a nice team. Uh, uh, Bal Clichy, Thomas Rosicki, um then obviously you had some young boys, so you still had the Carlos Velas, Johan Juru. So like the team at the time, uh, I think one of the best players I saw in training at that young age was Alexander Haleb. Yeah. This guy would chop literally anybody, <laughs> anywhere, anytime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, at the time there was like some big, big players at Arsenal, which was, and it was good to be around, especially at a young age. How long do you think it took before you sort of felt that you belong there because you were training as good as them? I think it was, it wasn't even the time frame. It was more how often you train with. Obviously, sometimes like after that first session, I don't, I might not have trained with them again because I was still doing education. I might not have trained with them again for like another two to three months. Okay. But then when we went, when I obviously signed the scholarship and the pro contract, and we was in the same building, mm-hmm. it then became a more of a regular thing to the point where you went on like, I think when I went on my first preseason tour, I felt like, all right, cool. I didn't feel, I didn't get like the nerves and yeah. that anymore. It was like comfortable where, you know, when you go out into the training, every team has that, that routine that you do before training. Yeah. You ain't got no, you ain't got to worry about being told. Yeah. You just know what to do exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think it digests that. All right, cool. So I feel comfortable now. Yeah, that's top. So anyway, it felt, it felt like, you know, you're talking about being with the reserves at 14, 15, which is like, it happens, but it's rare. That, that like your case is very rare then being with the first team at 60 and again it happens but it's rare but it does feel like you have to step up because academy football ultimately looks so easy for you and then even that step to reserve football I, I like so many people know already but for anyone who doesn't know your goal against Everton for the reserves do you remember it? I, don't yeah. look, I was looking at it the other day it was 1.8 million views for a goal in a reserve game and I don't even know who posted that goal literally if for people who don't know I, Maybe my producer Ryan will post a link. Maybe, probably not. But prop, yeah, maybe. But it's, hey, it's hey, like it's Ryan, outrageous. You better post that link, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's outrageous. It's one point eight million views. It's just outrageous. It looks like like I can't do that on FIFA. Like I couldn't do that on FIFA set to easy or whatever. And, I can't do that. And I'm telling you, that was in the transition period of me going from defense to attack yes nah it's outrageous i i got i got no time to try and defend against that because it's <laughs> abnormal it's abnormal so you you get into in around the first team but then you end up going on a couple of loan spells to start your career yeah. like were they your choice or did they tell you that you had to go uh no so the first loan was i think he they spoke to me about going and they wanted me to say play men's football okay 
So I was like, all right, cool. But they didn't want me to go any lower than, they didn't want me to go any lower than the championship. Mm-hmm. So obviously I was 17 at the time. So I was like, they said they wanted to go, they want me to go to the championship. So I was like, fine, cool. That's fine with me. Then we got, got phone calls from Blackpool. Um, obviously at the time they were in the championship and doing well. So I was like, all right, of course. So obviously 17, packed up, moved to Blackpool. And like, when you actually, obviously when you leave Arsenal and you go somewhere like that, it's like culture shock is everything's different. Mm-hmm. So the, obviously you go from like their stadium was okay, but like the training facility compared to yeah. Arsenal training facility was yeah. like drastic change to like the food intake, how the players behave, everything was like completely different. But in hindsight, when you get on the pitch, it was no different. The players used to fight, they would play, they would run, they would jump. And it was like, you feel like there's men on the pitch now that are playing for their careers, playing for their lives, playing for their families, yeah. where yeah. when you're playing in the reserves, it's like, this is just like some people stepping stone waiting to get into the first team. Mm-hmm. So it ended up being like a, a good period for me. Obviously played loads of games up until Christmas and then I returned to Arsenal and then um, played my first competitive game for Arsenal like in the first team. Mm-hmm. Oh, prior to that, was just been like friendlies and stuff. Okay. So with those loans then, did you feel their their aim was to try and help you get into the Arsenal team or to just be able to become a professional somewhere else? I think not. Because I think cause the, the loans were very selective okay. in clubs that I went to. So like I went to Doncaster after that purely because they played football yeah. and they didn't want to send me somewhere where my game would be altered too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to Doncaster and I played as the nine out of my three loan spells that was probably my best played loads of games scored loads of goals for them loads of assists mm-hmm. um, and then obviously I returned I played in the FA Cup against Stoke away you know Arsenal and Stoke never had good history <laughs> yeah that's a fact yeah. that's a fact <laughs> so I played I played against Stoke away uh, played uh, made my Champions League debut uh made my Premier League debut against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Then I played against Newcastle. And then after a little while, players came back from injury because Van Persie was out for a while. And so I was just like, when these players came back, it was like, do I sit around and just go back to training and play in reserves? Or do I go and get more game time? Hopefully I can prove myself a bit more. So I requested to go on loan again for like half a season. So at the back end of a season, and then I went to Cardiff. Mm-hmm. So we finished fourth. So we went in the playoffs and then we ended up losing. Mm-hmm. But obviously I played a lot of football, which obviously kind of helped. And then when I returned again after that loan, it all started to pick up again. Like obviously I played a few reserve games, scored loads of goals. And then I was back involved being on the bench, like week in, week out, traveling with the first team, traveled, Champions League, traveled. But I wasn't getting... Many minutes, yeah. But I was in. I was there, but I wasn't there. That's yeah. what it felt like. Yeah. So, why is it then that you ultimately left? Is it because you wanted to play more football, or was there something else to it? Yeah. No. So basically, I got offered. The, I got offered a new two-year deal, but I felt like I was being done injustice. Besides, what other players potentially I knew were earning. Yeah. Who they had maybe brought in from other places and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I was ahead of literally every single person. Yeah. But I didn't, my, even my agent said, I don't feel like that they, they're slightly, they, they're giving you that to be like, you've been there for so long. You've done this for us. We've done this for you. Here's a contract. And then we had another meeting and then the Neil Banfield, the reserve manager was like, 
you should feel privileged that Arsene Wenger is offering you like a contract. There's many boys that would dream of this and blah, blah, blah. And I said, listen, I don't, it's not the, it's not the dream factor. Obviously, I've worked hard to get here. Like I've seen hundreds of players come and go. Like I didn't just wake up and I was here, you know what I mean? But we spoke and then I said to my agent, listen, if they're not going to, they're not going to up the levels on, on what they're offering, then I think it might be time for me to, to, to move on with my career. So then we spoke to them. They was like, if you're going to leave, you can't leave on a free. Because obviously I had, I still had another year left. Mm-hmm. So then they was like, so obviously they put the word out and then we had a few offers come in. And then after that, once we sorted out the deal, I was on my way. Okay. So what were your ambitions then from the moment you left that building? Like ambitions for your career or things just short term, medium term, long term? What were you thinking about yourself so, at that point? When I first, when I first left and I signed for and I signed for Ipswich on that on that um, three year deal, the com- the conversation that we had at that time at Ipswich was they had always finished in the playoffs, just outside the playoffs, and their aim was to get back to the Premier League. So I was like, from the players that they had and who was there, I was like, I felt like it was something that was that was possible, and that was my aim. My aim was to get back and potentially show people that obviously I could play in the Premier League on like a week-in, week-out basis. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, when I signed for it, it was just this first season, obviously I played 46 games, but the season didn't go yeah. to plan. Um, but during that first season, we I did get interest from Fulham who were in the Premier League and my manager didn't didn't approve the deal in the January transfer window. Okay. Um, so obviously I was just like, but at the time we wasn't like far off so I was like, oh, I might not be going to Fulham, but we might be able to do it ourselves. So I was still in that positive mindset because obviously I was still yeah. I was still only 20. So I was like, oh, come on, we can do this. We can do this. Obviously, it didn't go to plan. And then it was like the second season came and manager got sacked. The manager that brought me there, Paul Jewell, he got the sack. Okay, yeah. And then they brought in Mick McCarthy. So when that all came out on the news, my agent phoned me and said, this could be a problem for you. But I was like, oh, why? She was like, you're not the type of player that he usually goes for. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it might be different, but it's just a, a heads up that this is the situation. So I was like, all right, cool. So his first day he comes in, I get a phone, I get a, somebody calls me and says, oh, the manager wants to see you in the office. So I went in the office, first day, first conversation. You're not the type of player that I usually have in my team. <laughs> but the thing is that, I know it sounds like it sounds evil, but I said I would rather a manager pull me and just say it yeah. point blank on day one yeah. than to just have me there and not speak to me. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, fine, no problem. Spoke to my agent. She was like, see you at the rest of the season and then we will go from there. So obviously I wasn't I was he didn't like just throw me to the side. He put me on the bench. He used me if he ever like if we was ever like one nil down or two one down, there was like twenty minutes to go. Yeah. Like he wasn't. He wasn't stupid. He used to throw me on and say, "Listen, if you can, you can. If you can, you can." I start. I even started a couple of games in the end. Yeah. But when it came to the end of that season, when the window was back open, he he had now the opportunity to bring in his own people. Whatever, yeah. His own people. Yeah. So. So from there, you went to Bristol. Yeah. Was that for a yeah. fee or was that on a free? So it was like on a swap deal. Who's there was who? a player at Bristol that he, Mick McCarthy wanted called Paul Anderson. Okay. Or was he the winger? Yeah. Yeah, winger, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Again, I, I wouldn't compare you to Paul Anderson the same way I wouldn't compare you. To... But no, but the, at the time, the manager at Bristol City was the same manager I played for at Doncaster on loan. Ah, okay, okay. So he actually called me and said to me, like, come and play for me. Okay. So I was just like, 
Yeah. So it's one of them ones where when a manager wants you to actually come and play properly, it was like, for me, it was like a no-brainer, even though it was like a league down. Yeah, I was going to say, because like, I was surprised that you dropped to that level. But then in the same breath, Bristol looked like the place where you played some of your best football. And I think that's probably where the majority of YouTube highlights package actually originates from. Because you're, you're like, not many people can have a search for them, search for someone on YouTube and actually find multiple clips and multiple pages from people who have never heard of before and they've got thousands of views. But that was the beginning, it felt like, of your true, true highlight package. Yeah. So, so what, what was it about the club then that made you do so well? Or was it just the manager himself? So the manager was like, a, I'm not saying he was a key part. But like at the time, the boys that were there, they were a good bunch of lads, but they, they, we, we, he wanted us to play football. But, but he gave me that that freedom to, it was like, just you boys express yourself in the final third. And he was like, Jay, I've had you on loan. I know what you do. Just do what you do and give it to me as often as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And obviously, obviously, if you're not playing well, obviously everybody has their off days, but even you can still put in that, that shift at this level where it won't be as obvious as if you're higher up. Yeah. And obviously, I think the first season, by Christmas, I was on 14 goals by Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then there was talks about me leaving and me going elsewhere and all kinds of conversations, things coming out in newspaper, newspapers, and I was just like, I want, like, right now, I'm focused on Bristol. I said to my agent, like, how I'm playing right now, I don't even want to go because the team was doing so well and then literally after the window closed the team the team had a dip in form and then the manager ended up getting the sack and then they brought in Steve Cottrell hmm. same problem happened again <laughs> but there's a difference to this story he said to me you're not the type of player I usually have in my team but I feel like in this team you will help us like you'll benefit obviously how because he had a strategy and he had a way he wanted to play and it never changed. It mm-hmm. was like, you get the ball, you do this, you move there, you do there, you, and when you get into the final third, everyone does their thing. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, cool. He gave, he put me through the craziest preseason <laughs> you've ever <laughs> seen. I, I told Chief, you know me in yeah, preseason, yeah, I'm the best of friends, yeah? yeah? But this guy, he put me through work when we was in South Africa. Mm-hmm work to the point where diet training three four times a day the running the gym, like constantly for 14 days to the point where i came home and i've never been able to do like their running drill that they was doing these 450 meters or something and i could do them all back to back with my group without changing no, no, like, yeah. Extra yeah yeah, yeah. And I, was like, I, was like, I was like all right cool so let's see what happens now then literally from the first game of the season I started on the bench, I came on and I scored. And then after that, so we obviously we won that season at Bristol, that league. We won the double, we won the league and the JPT. But I played more games than every single person in my team. Wow. Okay. I finished with I finished with forty two appearances. More than anyone, more than the goalie, more yeah. than every single person. And it was mad. I was thinking from going from you're not the type of player that I usually have to playing basically every single game. I think it was only two games I didn't feature in. Mm-hmm. Was and obviously for me at the time I felt like I played a big big part in what happened at Bristol and obviously it obviously now obviously they're still in the champ so yeah you it sounds like you earned it you know what I mean so credit to you and then to be fair credit to Cottrell as well because he could have just said now nah, off you go but you know he put you through it you made it through it and you were rewarded mm-hmm. for it so that's that's always nice to see 
But the opposite of that. <laughs> okay. So how did you feel then when you were first coming to QPR? Whether And were there any other teams that were interested at that point? Yeah, so uh, the thing is, I'm not even going to shy away from this conversation because this is the point blank on the shoot. So obviously, I, my agent said, um, Tim Sherwood wants to meet with you at his house in Birmingham. So this is when he was the manager of Aston Villa. Yeah. So I said to him, all right, cool. So this is before I heard anything from QPR. I hadn't heard anything yet. So we've driven up to Birmingham. We've gone to his house. We've sat down. We spoke, blah, blah, blah. And they've given over some figures to my agent. And then we've gone home. He said, like, think about it. He asked me to come into training the next day because they were still in training because they were playing Arsenal in the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. So he was like, come into training, come and see the facilities, come to Wembley, watch the game. Like, he was giving literally all the talks and stuff. But my agent felt like they were kind of holding back on certain things in the contract because yeah. of I hadn't been there before type thing. Uh-huh. So I was like, all right, cool. So we went home. Literally on the drive home, my agent got a phone call saying, can you come to Chiswick tomorrow to meet with Les and Chris Rams? Mm-hmm. So when we met Tim, we met with Tim. He was at his house with him and his agent. So it was like, fine. So we've driven the next day. We've gone to Chiswick, this hotel in Chiswick, sat down. So obviously I've sat down, I said, do you want to drink? Got a bottle of water, whatever. And I've looked up and obviously Les is sitting there, Chris is sitting there. But then sitting next to Les was the same agent that was sitting in the room with <laughs> Tim Sherwood. And it didn't digest for yeah. a minute to the point where I had to message my agent and say, look at your phone. And then when she actually looked, she was like, huh? Yeah. So I was like, this is the weirdest start of anything <laughs> I yeah. could possibly be. But I was like... Football is football, isn't it? I'm sure there's other things that's weirder than this that's gone on in the industry. So, mm-hmm. at the time, obviously, I was with, obviously, I just, my my daughter was now three years old. I was with her mum, and obviously, see, we're London based anyway. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, when we spoke to them, they obviously London, West London, close to home, this and the other, the contract was good. I couldn't, couldn't complain. And I was just like, I spoke to my agent, she's like, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to the Premier League with a team potentially that could get rid potentially that a manager's job isn't secure mm-hmm. depending on performances and results? Or do you want to go somewhere stable where you're hoping to actually get promoted back to the Premier League because that was their initial goal? Yeah. So you could they just come down. So I was like, obviously slept on it for a while, thought about it, took a took a took a back, took about ten days to think about it and then I was like alright cool I said you know what I'm going to stick with you because obviously when I'm looking at the squads I looked at our, the QPR team when I arrived and our team to be fair was a madness yeah. if you looked at the players yeah. individually yeah. and even though I knew potentially by going there I wasn't maybe going to start because there were still the likes of like Charlie was still there yeah. so obviously being a striker I would probably have to be that the second string, if you know what I mean, but mm-hmm. even going to Aston Villa, I would potentially still would have had to be in that position yeah. anyway. But looking at the players individually, I thought this team looks too strong to 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 not go straight back up after obviously just coming back down. So I thought I'll take I'll take the risk. Yeah, little did you know, eh? oh dear little did I know it was gonna be yeah it's interesting speaking of which something else you mentioned there which I didn't know so you said the Tim Sherwood thing you said the Les Ferdinand thing but I'm sure Tim Sherwood and Les Ferdinand are like best friends 
this is what I don't understand. I'm I'm so confused by that. I listen. I don't understand. I couldn't. I couldn't justify it. I couldn't work around it. Just to see, because I've seen, like, even knowing this Tim Sherwood and Les Ferdinand Friends thing, like, I didn't even know. Like, obviously, I, I assumed they would have known each other. Yeah. But I don't know their relationship. But the agent situation is, because I'm saying, he knows, he, he must know everything from both yeah. parties. Yeah. So it was kind of very, very confusing. Yeah, but that's literally football in a nutshell, though, isn't it? You know yeah, I mean? it's very. There's, a, there's, a, there's a lot going on. Most of the time, we don't see it, <laughs> but there's a lot going Too on. Too much. So, why don't you think it worked out there? In the, were you there for three years? Why don't you think it worked out overall? Um, there was obviously problems that that occurred. Obviously, the first season obviously wasn't too bad. Obviously, I ended up playing uh, a few amount of games up until obviously I made my first start in October. Mm-hmm. Um, scored two. We beat Bolton 3-2. Uh, then we played Birmingham away. We won 1-0. Then we played... Uh, we played somebody and we drew. Then we played MK Dons and we won 1-0. And that's when you gave me that assist, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah right. I think that was my last one yeah, as well. Right. Oh, Six years ago. That was my last <laughs> assist. Oh, what a and, then, um, and then we played... Brentford and we got smoked. Yeah, that's traditional, yeah. That yeah, was traditional back then. <laughs> we played Brentford, we got smoked and I never saw the light of day again. But obviously I didn't think it was a thing. So I just kept doing what I was doing and obviously I went did I was it the No, it wasn't the first the first season I didn't go on and did I? I stayed. So I was, think. It was did you go to MK Dons in year two? Yeah, I think it was the Oh, oh no, end. it might be the end of year one. No, it was the end of the first year, yeah. Yeah. Because the last season I spent at the at, just at QPR chilling. Mm. So, yeah, so I went, I ended up going on loan the end of the first season to MK Dons. Um, season finished, but then obviously I was told, obviously when you come back in, this, that, and that. I remember I came back in, we had to do this. We done a pre-season in Holland. Yeah, under, yeah. Jimmy Floyd. Under, under Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. So obviously, obviously, you know me, I've done all my training this morning, nine, nine o'clock boxing. Yeah. Played friendlies. Obviously, I scored a few goals during preseason and stuff. And then they put me through that test at the training ground the week before the season started. Mm-hmm. Me and Cole Kapikwa. Yeah. We had to do them nine runs and then the nine sprints and stuff. And obviously, I finished it because obviously, I had a hard preseason. Yeah. And then that's when I got told I had to go out on loan. So I was uh, couldn't quite understand it. So I was like, uh, obviously, it's not my decision. If I got to go on loan, I got to go on loan. So then I had, at the time, I had agreed a loan with Reading. Okay. And the manager at the time was Yapstam. So coincidentally, I speak to Reading today, and then tomorrow night, Yapstam and Jimmy are having dinner. Okay. So my agent was like, this is a bit, and then basically, I, the next day I went into training. I was told I can't go on loan to a team in the championship. That was the conversation that we had. So I thought, all right, cool. Which ended up for me going on loan to Jim. Did do you think it was Jimmy that said you needed to leave, or was that from elsewhere? Do you reckon? No, it's from elsewhere. Yeah. There, were, there are a few. The way I remember your time there, you obviously like didn't have as big a run as other people but there were certain people, yourself, Junior, maybe a couple others, who maybe were being affected by things which were coming from elsewhere. And it was and it was a shame because I think um, I think all players are different. 
And I think if you can earn the right to have a shirt, then people can express themselves and bring their game to the to the thing. And I think diversity makes a big issue with that. But I think some people were never in a position where they could ever really earn the right to do that. You know, mm. this. but we'll save that for another point. So looking back at those years then, do you regret joining? Uh, <laughs> Got you, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, the thing is, yeah, I don't really want to say it's a regret because obviously the decision at the end of the day was mine. But you always tend to think, what if I had signed for Aston Villa? What could it have been? Yeah. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. Like, I felt like I... I I, especially like with the whole work with the preseason and like the stuff that they're putting through. I, but it got to a point where I was like, all right, cool. Obviously, I can I can sense that my time at, at QPR is over. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but I'm dead trying to force what somebody is trying to force me out of the door. But I ain't gonna let it happen because I'm not weak in that sense. But in hindsight, I felt like if I if I could have replayed the whole scenario again, I think I would have maybe even held out a bit longer to see if any other opportunities came because it's kind of, I left Bristol and I met with Aston Villa, I met with QPR yeah. and then it was, it was, it was done. Because even after I signed, I still went on holiday. That's how early it was Yeah. after the season that was finished. You know, in the time that you were at QPR, do you think you gave your all so you can leave with your head held high or do you think you could have given more? I think if I, I could have continued giving more. I think after the, the Hasselbank situation, I kind of dipped in my efforts yeah. that I, I could have given to the club. Yeah. Um, and then obviously when Holloway then came in, I remember I came back in on the first few days and he made us do that. Yeah, the thousand yard run, yeah. Yeah, but obviously the week before we finished the season... I was told if I can make it in under the time limit, I will be involved in the trip. Mm-hmm. That was the conversation that we had. Even my agent was even there. So obviously I went away and I did that run, I think four or five times a week for the whole break, constantly, every day. I came in and I made it under the time, but the next, the user went on your user went on tour two days later to Portugal, yeah. and, I wasn't, and I wasn't taken. Mm-hmm. So after I wasn't taken on that trip, I didn't realize, all right, cool. It's a, it is what it is. But I feel like I should have maybe stuck at it yeah. and kept going. But I don't know. Maybe it, it was just the hood boy in me that just said, listen, I love the honesty. I love the honesty. And I, I'm not, I'm not, I've seen already. I, I don't, I yeah. won't even lie. Like, I think it was just that the, the road man was just like, you know what? Dead that off, man. I can't be asked. And that's that's how I was for for a little while. The uh I'll be honest with you, you should be glad you didn't go on that Portugal trip because there were some hills done over there. Listen, listen, I saw pictures of you, man, running up oh. a hill. I said, Do you know I will have to get a taxi because my <laughs> left yeah, physically can't take you up that hill, bro. Look, you know what? Oh <laughs> man. Looking back, that that preseason was something else, man. It was something else. <laughs> but anyway, so you left so you left QPR and it seemed like you had a bit of time away from the game. Like, yeah. How long were you, uh, from when you left QPR, how long did it take before you found another club? Oh, I had a deal signed in August Okay. to go to Thailand. So oh. I, had, I had it really pre-sorted, um, but their season just didn't start until January. Right, okay. okay. Their pre-season started in January, so that's just, it looked like I was just out of the game, but I was already right. situated. 
So I didn't really have to worry about anything. I was just enjoying like my family time and stuff like that. Well, did you, um, obviously their season started in January, but did you miss the game during that six months or were you okay to break uh, from that? Watching, after I think you see like the first month, you're like, oh no, I'm just enjoying myself. It's all right. But then like after two months, you're thinking, oh man, I just, I wish I was playing or I wish I was training. Or I wish I was somewhere just involved. But then mm-hmm. when it's getting to like October, November, December, I already hit that point. I was like, nah, this has been too long, man. I can't, I can't take this anymore. But obviously I knew that January was coming thick and fast. Uh, when did you leave the, the team in Thailand? I left them in, so I signed this uh, six month deal. So literally from, I left in that June. What was that experience like? Cause yeah, I don't really hear much about Thai football. So what exactly so was that like? like? I'm not gonna lie, they love football to the point where they don't even boo their fans. <laughs> even when you're losing, they don't boo. Everything's a chant, a song. Yes, the fans, they love the game. The standard is like, it's weird. So like, if you just take a stay at starting 11, the starting 11 is always a decent starting 11. Mm-hmm. But then if you look at the squad in general, there would be like four or five in the squad that shouldn't even be playing football. Yeah. But they are there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, but then you've got like, there's a lot, obviously every team's allowed four foreigners. So there's a lot of, Lot of, like every team we've got, they sign like a big Eastern European or Afro Caribbean descent centre half, mm-hmm. two Brazilian forwards and wingers. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's like Brazilians over there doing hella step overs <laughs> and drags, and yeah. you know what I mean? But they, they love that attacking concept. Um, but yeah, no, the experience was good. It took a bit, it took a while to adjust to, adjust to the heat. Yeah. I, I landed in January, January the 4th, I landed and it was 29 degrees. Yeah. Didn't make no sense to me because <laughs> as I said, it was January. Yeah. And they said, it's only going to get hotter. So I was like, wow. So this is, doesn't make no sense. But <laughs> it took about maybe a month and a half because they train in the evening. So you're, you've got to adjust a lot. So from the age of like 16, training at say 10, half 10, yeah. 11, to now training at 6, 6.30 p.m., and obviously you can't like enjoy the day out in the sun because by the time you reach the evening you you're drained yeah. your energy. So you've got to like manage it. So that six stuff. month so that six month deal took you to the mid to like summer twenty nineteen. Yeah. And you've just signed for Livingston a couple of months ago, yeah? Mm-hmm. So you've had a year out of the game, over a year out of the game. Right, yeah, yeah. How did you, what kept you going in that time? What What was your belief to, to think that you were actually going to get back involved in the game? Because a year is a long time. So this is this is exactly how it went. So obviously when I left, I left Thailand, I came home, done my holidays, took my daughter away, took my family away, everything, fine. I was offered uh, a contract in the Middle East and then literally just before I was about to go over there to meet the team and stuff, I was then offered a deal in China. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was offered. The deal was there. They booked my flights. Everything was sorted. But this was obviously about, this was in August, no, September. So obviously I thought I had October, November, December, January, and my flight was February the 16th mm-hmm. to go to China. So I thought before I go to China, I need to put in, some work and get myself into a position where when I get there, there's no questions, no qualms in case I've got to do like some form of medical where there's like a test involved and stuff like that. So I thought, right, let me get to work now. So I thought, right, cool. So literally I put in 
I dieted, I ran, I cooked, I done everything to the point where I put myself in a position where when it actually got to like December, I was like ready to go, even though I still had like another a month and a half to two months before I left. Mm-hmm. So January came. So then, now January came, the guy was like, like, are you ready? How do you feel? I was like, yeah, no, I feel good, blah, blah, blah. So is that fine? February came and then this Corona business <laughs> broke out. But obviously this guy, the guy that was sorting the deal was Chinese. Mm-hmm. So before it come on the news, he had already said to me, oh, there's like a little virus that's broke out. But this is the co- first conversation. He was like, a little virus. Yeah. So I'm thinking, oh, it's calm, like, no biggie. Mm-hmm. Day after day, it came out on the news. It got worse and worse and worse and worse. And then I even remember all these things. February the 10th, I got an email from Emirates, some, from Virgin, saying your flight to from Dubai to Gonzo has been cancelled. Mm-hmm. So he was like, yeah, we'll just give it a little bit of time and then the club will rebook it and blah, blah, blah. And that was history. <laughs> Never did anything come up or return or happen mm-hmm. again. And literally from that day when I re- when I actually realized after about two months, I realized I think the China thing is gonna be a myth because they closed the, the visa office in London. Yeah. They cancelled all ingoing flights. They cancelled like you couldn't even find a flight that even went to China from England in the first place. Yeah. So I thought, you know what? I think it's gonna be a myth. So I was like, you know what? I need to to get myself in a situation where I can potentially go into somewhere ready and obviously then the break in England happened yeah and then this I was just like this is gonna be mad but I just at the end of the day I just said you know what I've got a daughter and I know it's like if I don't get back into football I'm not gonna lie I ain't got anything to fall back on I haven't got no education I didn't finish school I didn't mm-hmm. I ain't got no GCSEs I've got no A-levels I've got nothing football is all I knew so and I'm not gonna lie I trying to go on the roads again yeah like I'm not trying to go backwards in life. I'm only trying to go forward. I'm not trying to go on the rules. I said, you know what? So I literally worked. When we went into that lockdown in England, I I ran every day, seven days a week, twice a day, morning and evening. And I ate so clean to the point where, gee, my body fat was 11%. When have you heard this in your life? No, no. Swear to God. (laughs) I came here, they done just the body fats. When I got here, I was 11%. I said, I text my agent. I said, you know my body fat is 11%. She said, how? I said, who knows? <laughs> how? Yeah, so, but that was that. It was literally like, there was only going to be one outcome and I wasn't going to stop until I got it. So I had to, I had to be playing football, even if it's here or if it was somebody or somewhere else, I thought, but I'm going to get somewhere. But it was just trying to get my foot in the door for somebody to take a look because I said I'm I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna shy away from an opportunity to express my abilities to somebody. Yeah. I know I can play ball, but I it was li- literally and there's a lot of stuff that goes around about me as a as a person about people have said about my attitude or he's a, a bad egg around the building and stuff like that. And sometimes I'm thinking a bad egg. I said, well, what did I ever do to you? Yeah. I never caused the trouble, but. Obviously, it's football, innit? Because obviously, as we can have this conversation, certain somebody, you know who, <laughs> received a phone call from the Wickham manager at the, just before the season started. Okay. About me going into Wickham. Okay. And the Wickham manager was very intrigued about me going there because he's already had, he's got Giles there and he's had a BRA. Mm-hmm. So he was interested. And he's also got Akin Fenwa telling him, listen, 
bring him in. He can help us. So he calls Les, I'll say his name, and I was <laughs> told that his response from him wasn't, it made him take two steps backwards. Which to me feels so unnecessary. You know what I mean? No, it's been years. I don't you know get what that. I, mean? I don't get that. So it made him take, but then it's weird because this was, this was straight from them to me. But then the same manager here at Livingston took Ozzy on loan yeah. last season. Yeah. So he texts Les and asks the same question, but a complete different answer. <laughs> but then I clocked. I understand why you don't want me to go to Wickham. Same, same league, is it? Because you don't, you don't want to see me. You don't want to face me because you know if I do damage, I, I'm one of them guys. I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna be petty, but only towards him. <laughs> you know I, mean? I will be petty. I'm not gonna front. I'll be petty. Yeah. But after that, I, I, I sat there and I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? It's a business, isn't it? At the end of the day, he he done his side of the business. At the end of the day, he could have he could have blocked this deal as well, really and truly, if he wanted to. I I, I assume. Yeah. With, with his response, but. They still allowed me to come in. I showcased myself and I'm here. Yeah, and that's that's a great point now to... But I will see them again. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. No, I, I believe it. I fully believe it. And that's the last thing I want to see is like you on the field, like really hyped up to do well against Les. That's going to be hilarious. But I'm telling you, anything that goes on, I'm going to have a vest underneath that's going to say Les. Listen, priorities first. You do your stuff at Livingston. Do your stuff at Livingston. And, you know, no, things, things, things will work thing, out. Like, I'm not... I'm not. I'm, that all that's in the future. I can't affect the future. But right now, I'm in Scotland. I'm just gonna come here and, and do my. Got a big game on Sunday, so that's what we're getting ready for now. We've got Rangers on Sunday. Yeah, of course. Right. So it's time for some real talk and some reflection. Yeah. Mm. So now this is me talking. I'll give my opinion on certain things, and I want you to be as honest as you can be based on these questions. Yeah. If there's something you wanna don't wanna answer, you can just skip it. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll keep it on record that you skipped it, so I can hold it against you forever. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> just so you know. So, uh, cool. firstly, how would you rate your career so far compared to, say, how you felt about yourself when you were, say, 14, 15, 16, and you were basically so far ahead of everybody else? I would say it hasn't gone to the, the heights that I, I think I sh could have made mm -hmm. because there's people now that wasn't even in a position that I was ever in playing at the top level. You, so you're good with words. So did you, you said could have. Did you mean should have or could have? No, I would say, no, I say, I'll, I'll change that. I'll say should have, because I should have been up there. Okay. Um, like, that's, that's a good, that's a good level of honesty to appreciate, like, how good, how, firstly, how good you are now, but how good you were then. And the path to this point, you know, it's, it's a very, very winding road, but not necessarily one where forward progress is, you know, is as big as it should have been. Because you, mm -hmm. you like, yeah, you, you to me, like, you remind me of like an Adebayor and stuff like this. The type of player where if you're on your day and you're all out, like you're unplayable. I've got no time. Like it's it's just a headache because you jump high on everybody else. You're stronger than everybody else. You got better touch than everybody else, and you're quick and whatever. And you actually want to put the ball in the net. Like I hate people like you, but anyway. So um, <laughs> so one in four, one in four. <laughs> as I hate people like you. I'm just glad we're friends. That's it. So to this point you're averaging one goal every four games. Is that what you expected your style of play to deliver at this point in your career? Um, I would say, I'm not, oh, because I, I didn't even know that, I, that like, I'm not really one for the statistics. So that's the first time I would have heard, mm -hmm. I would have heard this, but I think, um, 
when I look back at it now, depend obviously my two years at Ipswich, I played as a right winger. Uh-huh. I didn't play as a nine or a ten. I played literally as as the eleven or the seven, whichever one they want to call it. Um, but then obviously when I went to Bristol, that's where I done a lot of my striking mm-hmm. play, and I scored a lot of goals in them two years. I think it was about thirty six, thirty six. I can't remember, but it was obviously in the two years I was there. Um, but one in four, I think. <clears throat> I would have obviously I would want it to be lower, but I say I can't fault it being one in four because I know there's a lot of strikers in there that don't hit <laughs> one in four anyway. Yeah, but, I would, but I would, yeah, I would say I, I would want it to be lower if it was definitely possible, hundred percent. Listen, considering you were a centre back in the academy and I was a striker, I'm currently averaging one in twenty nine, so I should probably say less. <laughs> oh, that's a big number. <laughs> I know it's not it's not great. It's not great to be honest. It's not great. So today then, what do you believe your level is? Today. Today, what is your level? I'm not gonna lie. If you put me in a Premier League team today, I can play football in the Premier League one hundred percent. So why don't you think you're there right now then? Is... I would say it's based on my own I would say I wouldn't say lifestyle because I always train and stuff, but maybe decisions made during certain times over the course of my my career when I was obviously a bit younger mm-hmm. to the point where obviously the going out and stuff like that. Obviously it never I never like affects me like I was ever late for training or I never used to come in like hungover and stuff, but obviously it can take toll on mm-hmm. you as a as a human because obviously no, nobody's body can can sustain obviously lack of sleep and this and that. So do you uh so do you do you regret those decisions then or are you still just happy to be where you are now because to be honest to be approaching 30 in December because I you know because I do the wikipedia search to be approaching 30 <laughs> in December and to still be playing this game you know it's longevity is a significant thing which so few people actually get so do you regret mm. those decisions or do you just take them as just being part of the journey to this point I think yeah I take it it's part of my journey everybody's journey is different like but it's like would if I do it again would I do it different I wouldn't do it different as in like, I wouldn't change the whole concept of how I live of what I did over the years, but there's probably certain things where I would have said, Oh, let me chill today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or them lot are going there. Oh, let me not go today. Let me relax. You know what I mean? But it's like, as a, as a man, when you get older and you actually think about certain things, obviously like having like got a daughter, my daughter's going to be eight like next week, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. When obviously, when I had my daughter, I was still young. Even though my daughter was planned, I was still young. Yeah. So even though I was doing everything I need to do at home, I was still trying to still do the little young boy go out party lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Whereas potentially, if I had zoned off and done it on a less frequent basis, then it could have led to me going elsewhere but a lot of it is to do with like potentially like me, my persona, like my laid back kind of attitude where it wasn't something that I could change, but I never tried to change it. Yeah. Yeah. So like when I used to get told, oh, you look the way you walk and the way you this, it looks lazy slash laid back. But I used to say to people, like, what do you want me to do about it? Yeah. But then I never actually tried to make myself look like I wasn't. Yeah. That's I, mean. a, I think that's a that's a tough line to walk though because I'm I'm similar to you in some ways because I hate the fact that our game and to be fair lots of things in the world are judged by perception because mm. I could we could both be all in on something you know all in for a team and all in for whatever 
but just because somebody from the outside thinks that I don't look like that's the case doesn't make it so because the the facts are coming from me and not from them you know what I mean but our game would like if someone thinks you're not good at this or you're not good at that or you're not good at whatever like they make decisions then which affect you in your life and your career yeah like this is this is the one that continually blows my mind and I speak to uh, Robbo about this your man Paul Roberts yeah so yeah. when we were at QPR I think it was on three maybe four occasions we could have signed Harry Kane but Harry Redknapp said that he wasn't good enough and he'd never make it at the highest level. Like, that's Harry Kane. You know what I mean? That's, that's Harry Kane. But that's what they were saying about him then. And don't get me wrong, like, he wasn't as good then as he was now. But mm. Spurs believed in him because they could still see something within him. You know, and that's and why they would never let him sign anywhere. That's why he's always going on loan and so on. Like, mm. if... But it's that it's that whole perception thing, you know. It could that could have negatively affected him. Thankfully, it didn't. But then that could have also positive affected QPR. Imagine if you had Harry Kane on the books, you know. A, a big, big way. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I suppose it's, it is what it is. But I think to sort of close this section quickly about you, I think it's a good. It's like a gift and a curse that at 29 years of age, you've still got so much untapped potential, you know, because most people, as they get older, they're just a finished product but your product is good now and it could be great, you know? And that's, mm. that's, a, that's a strong position to be in, but you yourself have to find a formula or whatever is needed to get that out, to get to that next level, because it's there. Everybody that's ever played with you knows it's there because we see it on a Monday through Friday, but we want to see it every Saturday and every Saturday for the next 10 years. And, you know, you're plenty capable. But anyway, quick sidebar. So some people know this but not everybody does and i imagine lots of my listeners don't know this but at one point your run-up to take a penalty was slower than a bale of turtles stampeding through peanut butter yeah <laughs> and i i want to know where did that idea even come from and who did it first was it you or pogba oh i did it way before pogba, oh, pogba, pogba buying your style his eh? one's different i mean because he does the slow 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 and then he kind of picked the pace up, whereas my strategy, because the thing is, like, I've told keepers the whole technique, but it's not the it's not the technique that they can affect. So basically, when I played for Ipswich, I played with Nathan Ellington, mm -hmm. and I used to watch him take penalties, but his run-up was, like, shorter, like, much, much shorter, but slow. Yeah. And then he used to come, he used to, like, wait, and he used to roll the ball and roll the ball, but I kept watching it, and I kept seeing that on the other occasion, the keeper would, like, would save it or he would get it wrong. So I thought, all right, cool. But this was years before. This is when I was there. So obviously I spent two years there, but I spent two years there practicing. Okay. To the point where that's when I went to Bristol and that's the first time that I ever executed it in a game to the point where I extended the run-up to the top of the D and I did the slow run-up, but I did the run-up only by looking the keeper dead in the face. Yeah. To the point where I've had keepers say, like, they don't know what to do because, like, <laughs> I'm running towards them, but I'm not looking at the ball. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I've, seen, I've told people before, the ball is never going to move. So yeah. I, I know exactly where it is. But then it just, as time went on, the, the penalty run up kind of went here and went there and then picked up by this person comparing it to Pogba, who took longer. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, all right, cool. But no. boy, this was. Pogba's missed, didn't it? I ain't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good value. And I always remember when I'd be watching you on TV and stuff and say to the penalty, I'd be looking and I don't know who's taking a penalty because you started from so far as well. Yeah, I'm in the lineup. <laughs> yeah, everyone, everyone's lined up on the D. I'm like, oh, 
Wait, he, oh, there he is. There he is. Ah, yeah. Usually, usually led to a goal as well, to be fair. So credit to you. Credit to you. So just a few little bits to finish, yeah? Some mm -hmm. so far ideas. So what would you say your career highlight has been so far? My Personally, my highlight? Yes. I would say my debut... Oh, <laughs> it's, it's cut between two. So it's either doing the double with Bristol because mm -hmm. obviously it's like it was crazy like you don't really understand the feel like until you've done it the mm -hmm. feeling of actually winning and doing the double and Wembley and all that or it was actually making my Premier League debut for Arsenal at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea but not just Chelsea I'm talking about the mad Chelsea is it? Yeah the Chelsea Chelsea Drogba Anelka Maluda Lampard Essien Mikel yeah. Ashton Cole Alex, Terry, Ivanovic, and Czech. I said, yeah, <laughs> myth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, in, it's interesting because, you know, as maybe, I, maybe I said it wrong, but I said career highlight, but you gave me two. So can you answer the question? You got to pick one. I'm going to say the Bristol will be the highlight because that Chelsea game, even though it was a good memory for me, we got smoked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, we got smoked. Yeah, to be fair, I think that team has given out a few beatings anyway, so it's that's just, yeah. yeah, just a regular stuff for Bridge. I think we held a few, to be fair. <laughs> so how about a career low light then? What's been the toughest low. moment? Mo you can give me a moment or a period of time. Uh, I would say... If you're talking about the career, it will be my last year at QPR where I was just coming in, training with the 23s and going home with actually there was no, because I wasn't even registered to play. Mm -hmm. There was no, there was no way of me actually being able to play football at a competitive level. Yeah. Yeah. So if we're talking about career wise, that would be like that. What was it? Let's say seven months or whatever, eight months would be the, the low point of not knowing, of actually knowing that I can't play yeah. because obviously I wasn't in the numbers. Um, except for Arsenal then, which has been your favourite club to play to play at? Oh, 100% Bristol. Right. What is your, what's been your favourite goal so far? Damn, jeez, I need to bring out the catalogue, my G. <laughs> <laughs> You see, it's oh. easy. I can always answer this question for me really quickly because, you know, the, the sample size is kind of low. So, mm, you know. Because there's a few, because obviously I got a couple for Bristol. Because my goal against Bristol, against Bristol Rovers, was one of the most iconic to the point where they still talk about it now because it was just because it was against Bristol Rovers. And then, obviously, I got one for QPR, one against Bolton, where I chopped the yeah, guy. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The that was the same day when Cherry put one in top corner of his right foot oh. as well. Yeah. That was a lovely day. That 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 was annoying to me though, because obviously we won the game, it was cool and that, but that's two left footed players showing their right foot's better than mine as well. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was tough for me to take. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so ooh, I'm gonna think I might I think I'm gonna have to go with the Bristol goal, you know, just because of the whole atmosphere and concept of the goal meant so much to so many people. Yeah. It wasn't um right. So now, it's a five-a-side, yeah? Of mm. players that you've played with, the best five-a-side you can make that doesn't include yourself. The best five-a-side I can make. All right, cool. So let's let's say let's let's put some let's 
make it fair though. We're not going to include Arsenal. Okay. Yeah. Because it would just be no, Arsenal I five. Actually, I actually wasn't going to put them into there. Yeah. Let's 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 make it fair. Because uh, you know what I mean. But go on. All right. Cool. Five side. So it's goalkeeper and full outfield. Yes. Goalkeeper. I'm gonna have to go with. Alex Smithies. I knew you were going to say Smithies, you know. I knew you were going to uh, say... You know me, I always love Smithies, man. Yeah, I hell of a guy, man. Hell of a guy. I love that, that guy had the donkey kick as a striker. <laughs> the best thing in the world. Defender, two midfielders and a front man. Oh, this is tough. Yes, it is. Trying to think strikers. Man. This is tough, is though. You struggling? Like, are, you, are you worried about upsetting people? Or, or what's nah, nah, come on, man. Yeah, just pick a team, man. Pick a team. Nah, it's just players, isn't it? Because I'm thinking about front men that that I played with, and it's it's kind of tough. But and you said five aside, so me, I'm thinking five aside. I'm thinking about yeah, man, them that play ball. How about <laughs> who? How many players would you say are better than Sherry in a five aside? <sighs> so I mean, so I mean, not not many at all. So then, just throw Sherry in there. Then that's a pick. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I think in the two midfielders, I think I have to... Well, no, actually, I think I don't even play him as a striker. It's five-a-side. You yeah, don't need to target yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Sharon. And then I think in the middle, I would have... I think I might have to put Leroy in there. And then I would have... I would think I'll even... I'll have to put... I'll have to throw a berry in there. We're talking five-a-side. Okay. Are you thinking, are you disregarding people like Luke Freeman, stuff like that? Because he'd be nice in the fives, no? Yeah, no, five's good, but I think if I'm playing five aside, I think uh, I'm going to have a beer over, over, over Fred. Yeah, Fred. (laughs) 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 And at the back. You could just go, you just throw another midfield there if you want. Like it doesn't, doesn't have to be at the back. I'm going to have to go, you know what I'm going to have to go with Luke Aylin just over, just because I've watched him grow as a player from the age of seven up until like what he's been doing like last season and this season the Premier League he's done a lot man I'm proud of him man yeah we shall. well hopefully you can be playing against him at some point in the future eh? he don't want that but I want I want that <laughs> <laughs> and just like that man that's a that's a perfect way to close so I want to say thank you very much for spending the time with yours truly I'm sure people have loved your story and you know do what you need to do get those games in do well for Livingston be a successful Livingston and who knows what could happen eh? thank you Chief man it means a lot it's always good to see you bro love man yeah take it easy you too so there you have it thanks for listening if you're new here and you've enjoyed today's show be sure to hit subscribe and why not check out some of our back catalogue while you're at it as I'm sure there's something there for you and now to close a big thanks to Aidan Hogarth for the show's music Mountaineer Studios for the incredible recording space and Ryan Hill for literally everything else. Thanks again for listening, and remember to stay safe and stay tuned.